but yes. AirPods, you say? That sounds like an amazing way to, you know, cancel out the noise. <laughs> now, if only I knew where I put them. I tell you what, in all seriousness, I have noticed that walking around the city, which I've lived in a couple cities, having noise cancelling is definitely really nice. Um, just like to take that background hum of traffic and everything like it doesn't go away but it takes it to a far more manageable level such that a walk home is far more pleasant i don't know what you guys have found well well, i'm I'm, I'm loving it i think murdoch not so much from what he just said (laughs) oh depending on if i can find the damn things (laughs) what did you do with your airpods murdoch Oh, yes. Funny story, that one. They had disappeared one evening. I thought that was that was it. That was the end of it. They disappeared on the find my application around my apartment. And I thought that was it, which also then raised the question, what do I do now? Do I continue trying to look for them? Do I look in places I haven't considered looking before, which I have plenty of times until I finally gave up some three weeks later? I mean, three weeks is a good amount of time to sort of go, where are they? <laughs> where is that? Oh, that's where it. is she? I'm not going to find these. <laughs> oh, no. You've been through the Liam Neeson stage. You'd, you'd, been, you'd done the Taken monologue. They're gone. They're over. <laughs> and what did well, you do? Funnily enough, there is such a thing as being too prepared for a situation. This is a Murdoch moment, isn't it? <laughs> this is very much a Murdoch moment. This is Murdoch, ah, yes, you, 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 you darn genius. How did you think to see this far to the future? <laughs> um, I didn't purchase a second pair right then and there. <laughs> I happen to have a backup pair. <laughs> uh, and why, why did you have a second pair of the most expensive earbuds Apple make? Very good question. Because basically, um, I, I happened happened to have a family member in the educational system who's able to assist me with acquiring one of those educational deals, mm. where you get a pair of free AirPods with a, a very nice tablet, which I have used for other purposes, such as reading mm. th- these notes that we are reading <laughs> from. This is a script. <laughs> After see, all, it, isn't it? It, it? also it all circles round. You see, it's all, it's all, it's all it does all circle round. Yeah. So there was an offer where basically you either get a regular pair of AirPods for free, or you you know throw in a few pennies, and you can get the nice fancier pair for much cheaper than if you were to buy them outright. That made you know the com- that that made the most sense at the time. Hmm. Um. So I've I've had this box of AirPods just lying around for a rainy day and or that consideration that maybe perhaps one day I could either gift these to somebody I care about or I may, but, you know, consider it like a little bit of stock and then sell it off later on. It's, 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 a, it's a valid consideration. Never did I think I would be the one who'd end up needing them, although that was one of the considerations. Like just did in- gift, They did get gifted to somebody you care about. Yes, just in case something happens to that original pair, I lose one of the earpods into the canal, or, you know, if, if I happen to have a dog or a cat and they decide to chew one up and that's it, that's the end of that one earpod, mm-hmm. I would have to get, you know, a replacement. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I did have a replacement for the one circumstance where they disappeared off the face of the planet for three weeks. Now, you've been very 
specific with your choice of words here. Three weeks. For three weeks. What happened after three weeks? Allow me to continue this magnificent <laughs> journey. <laughs> after struggling with the decision of do I open up this nice, you know, wrapped shiny box or not, and, and realizing, okay, the conveniences of having these far outweigh the, the, the inconveniences of going back to the old ways of wired headphones, I had decided to open up the box. I figured, you know what? They're here. Might as well use them. One week later... <laughs> <laughs> I'd found the old pair wedged into the void that exists between the armrest and the car seat. <laughs> Just get into your car and there they are. Hi! <laughs> Basically. So now I'm walking around with two <laughs> pairs of earpods. Well, when the battery dies on one pair... Well, that, that, that's, that's one of the, you know, it, this is the excessive solution to, 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 you know, recharging your equipment. Don't recharge them when you need to use them. Just have two constantly on charge and you cycle through them. I believe there are actual headphones that do this. They give you two pairs of batteries, one while you're using it, the other one sits down on the dock and charges. So oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a way of using them, right? It's a way of using them that, that guarantees that they are always fully charged. I just hope that but, listeners realize that this anecdote and others much like it that they haven't heard before is where the indulgent side of indulgently minimal comes from. <laughs> also, yeah, nobody, nobody should own two pairs of these headphones. No, I mean, like, at the end of the I day... I know, you like, made a compelling reason up, for it. Well, if you end up in Murdoch's situation, just you buy another pair, you don't buy another pair on the off chance that this happens. It's like, it's not like these things are rare. Like, you know, some, you know, you don't have to send a team of, you know, um, highly trained specialists to procure them for you. You can get the damn things off Amazon. <laughs> and they're, they're surprisingly on offer pretty often. You do not need to buy them at retail pricing. I didn't. Well, no, mm. you, you, didn't you also? <laughs> oh, no. I'll Wait. take eight. <laughs> <laughs> Zoidberg, you'll become a crafted consumer. <laughs> no, Jeff. And I actually put like a, uh, a cap on this anecdote. When I got the iPad through the, the same educational deal, the, uh, we opted for the basic pair of AirPods that come free, um, which are, uh, are now in use with my girlfriend, Murdoch chose to spend the extra, I don't know, it's about $100, 100 euros, something like that, to upgrade the offer to get the pros, I believe. The idea was that they were kind of worth the investment in a sense that if I wanted to resell them later, they would hold the value of, you know, the more expensive models. Yeah, of course. That was the reasoning behind it. So I think really... You bring, you bring us on to today's topic in a really excellent way. What do we do in these moments? What is the thing that we do when we lose the tech we love? And before we continue, I feel like we should let everybody know, hi, welcome to Indulgently Minimal. I'm Moggy, and I'm joined here today by Jeff. Hello. And Murdoch. Hello, this is Murdoch. And today we will be talking about tech grief, what to do when you lose the items you love. And I hope you stick with us. Unlike all those IMs we lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 the grief definitely covers a wide variety of situations. It's, it's not, you know, a one-size-fits-all here. 
Very much. And it's not even as simple as when, you know, the item, you know, your phone, your headphones go missing. There are many situations where both an item or a service or something in our life disappears for reasons outside of our control, whether a service is discontinued, whether we lose or break something. Jeff, you have, I believe, a long and storied history with various MP3 players, phones and headphones. Um, I think your particular predilection is to putting them through the washing machine. It's, it's just tragic because you only, when they go in the washing machine, you can't open the door because it locks and then it, it's pushed against the, li- the little Perspex window and you can see the light blinking on and off. It's just going, you betrayed me, Father. I, I can do nothing because I need the clothes washed. i got to go to work tomorrow. It's... I've lost so I've lost so many things in that bloody washing machine. <laughs> oh, check God. your pockets, bro. Come on, check your pockets. <laughs> well, fortunately now ev- everything is connected to a smartphone. You, you the smartphone is always in your hand pretty much. So I haven't put a phone through the washing machine yet. <laughs> yet. It hasn't happened yet and I, and I and I'm hoping it never will. Where is my Dep- phone? Oh depends. god. <laughs> Depends on how small the damn things get. I think that that's that's the problem with technology getting too small for its own good. <laughs> well, fortunately, we, we seem you know now that we've seemed to have gone the other way because tech was getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and I was losing them quicker and quicker and quicker. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that tech's gotten bigger again, I've lost less things in the washing machine. Mm, I did put my I did put my old wireless earbuds through the washing machine though. Oh, they came oh, they came out fine. <laughs> they worked absolutely fine. It was Cleaner better than too. ever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is, is 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 this is this one of those secret you know, the the life hacks? Should we also add you know one of those little oh. subtexts that says don't try this at home? We are trained <laughs> yeah. professionals. Like ah yes, life yeah, hacks yeah, for listeners, cleaner sounding audio. <laughs> listeners, go out there, get your really expensive, get your AirPods, get your Bose, get your Sony's, and just stick them in the washing machine. Put them in the dishwasher. Put them in the bath in a puddle. I guarantee you they'll work. Guarantee. Don't hold me to that. Please don't. Please yeah, don't say, guarantee not applicable. Please don't sue us. Please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> Better Disclaimer don't do this. We are professional idiots. Um. <laughs> I like that. I'll take that. Let's like, hello. Yes, here's my business card. I am Murdoch, professional idiot at your service. <laughs> I love that. Oh, okay. Now we good. slowly descend into a Monty Python sketch. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Ah, but yes, so you have incidents like that where, you know, you physically see objects that you have been using. They have become your friends. They are no longer pieces of technology that serve a specific purpose. They have become, ah, yes, my trusted headphones, my uh, my lovely MP3 player that, that starts the day. And it has, it has gone the way of the dodo or the battery has died and I can't replace it or mm. it has taken a nasty fall. Mm-hmm. Like this this is physical damage. And, and yes. there's an emotional attachment to the, the, these objects. For sure. Absolutely, yeah. Ah, and now I'm reminded of the pebbles. I was just (laughs) going to say, it's not just when we lose or break things that we, uh, say, physically lose. I mean, you know, that the object departs from us into that nether realm whence our objects go. But there is also the time when an object that you still have, and it's perfectly functional, stops functioning for a different reason. Right, Murdoch? I want to cry. I actually do want to cry. I have never found a replacement for this. There there was a child of pure genius, basically. One company in this whole race for wearables has come up with this ingenious idea that, you know, technology shouldn't be, like, new and innovative. Look at all of these fancy things the thing can damn do. One, if I believe, 
to date might still be one of the most successful like Kickstarter campaigns, uh, a company came out of nowhere and they offered to the world a dumb smartwatch. I think that needs to be explained. What is a dumb smartwatch? Well, you know, the, the initial impression you get when somebody says smartwatch is somebody poking at their watch and saying, computer, <laughs> take this phone call. Sometimes you just want to look down at your watch and look and, you know, tell what the time is, which is something that has been surprisingly <laughs> difficult for a lot of modern day smartwatches to do. This company um, offered a watch under the Pebble brand name where they have decided to take as low tech as possible and package it. Basically, what they did was take electronic ink similar to, you know, the old Casio watches, similar to the old, you know, game and watch uh you know, simple game devices, uh, what else? Like the original Game Boy, that style of black and white screen, which mm. is surprisingly, surprisingly very energy efficient. Mm. Um, think Kindle, for example. This is yeah. e-ink, right? Yep. Yeah. So they've decided to take an e-ink display and put it on a teeny tiny wristwatch and add basically a very low-tech processor. It gets the job done. It has enough power for animation. And I think the initial iteration was just black and white. The second iteration had like a little bit of color, like mm. back to the 16-bit or 32-bit era of color. It's like, ooh, yes, green, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> yeah, the um, old Game Boy Color days. <laughs> but... What that watch did really well was, number one, allow you to tell what the time was at any time. You didn't have to do any sort of weird rituals to be able to, you know... This is revolutionary for a timepiece. Time. Truly, truly yeah. revolutionary. You mean you don't have to do something weird like pressing a button or doing some sort of motion to turn the screen on in order to see the time. Because an exactly. LCD, to save battery, will just turn the screen off completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Modern day smartwatches have finally gotten to the point where like they have enough power, enough juice to have an always on display, but there there is still a little bit of a compromise there. They they do all these power saving tricks. The Pebble, on the other hand, would, you know, it would stay alive on a charge for like an entire week. Very, very similar to, you know, the Kindle style of I will charge this thing and I have not used it in a month and it's still at like, you know, 85%. Amazing. They had one two successful iterations of the watch, and then the company decided to expand into other endeavors. I believe it was fitness tracking. Ah. And unfortunately, they operated far out of their scale or far out of the, the, the interest of their, their potential customer base, basically. They, they, the, the original target um, wasn't the average person. The original target was a very, you know, niche group of people that knew what they were looking for. This is, you know, a very techy looking watch. It's not your standard Rolex or, you know, Cartier. This is a very mm. geeky looking watch, right? Mm -hmm. But it served a purpose. And it did one, it basically did two things really well. Number one was ironically being able to tell you the time without needing to do any sort of motions. And number two, it answered a fundamental question of what smartwatches did. Mm. Which this, you know, will go into further detail on another episode, perhaps. Um, but it allowed you to answer the question of, should I interact with my phone or not? Hmm, okay. Unfortunately, I believe at some point in time they couldn't cover their finances. I don't remember if they filed for bankruptcy. Uh, and they never managed to release their third iteration of the watch to the market. And eventually they were bought out by Fitbit. Mm. And when that happened, 
there was an initial guarantee of about one year where they'll keep their services and app store running so the watches could remain functional. And after that, it was basically, you know, it was shut down. Yeah. The Pebble watch would continue to function, but there were no longer any more, you know, guaranteed updates. Which hmm. means that the, the, the software starts to degrade, the support is no longer guaranteed on newer phones, and eventually other devices begin to get features that you actually want that will never come to the watch and you have to leave it behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's orphaned technology, I think. That's, that's another... Mm. It's a weird one. It, it's a nice relic of the oh, past, but it really make... doesn't have any place in, you know, uh, that just, that makes what, me what so devices sad. you're using today. I'm just imagining you walking away. You've left a pebble watch on, on, in, a, in a little basket at, at the doorway. You've rung the bell. It's raining at night. The pebble watch is crying <laughs> as you're leaving. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, to build upon that and Jeff's bleak um, allegory there, <laughs> you know, I mean, it can get even worse where you've got services perhaps that you're even using and are being run by companies who have the finances to continue, but they just stop the service for sometimes good reasons, like you and like the three other people using it aren't really worth the, you know, the, the money to keep it going, or perhaps there is just no reason. The reason is oblique. Good. The reason good. is Google hates you, and that's why the Google reason stops is Google, everything. Yeah. <laughs> hey, c- come on, guys. Come on. Don't you want to <laughs> hang out? <laughs> uh, but you know so yeah you've got those services as well like you know services that you maybe you're using that then get taken away from you so it's not even like they fall into obsolescence the company disappears literally it's just a hey guys we know you love this game but yeah we don't want to pay for the service anymore so bye and then it's gone it Oof. all kind of fits into the same mold whether it's old tech that gets broken old tech that gets lost or something that is still physically there, but its usage is either deprecated or completely, you know, non-functional, broken by the fact that support has been withdrawn. At any point, you then fall into this, these stages of deciding, how do I process this and what do I do next? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean... Well, just like the stage, like the, the five stages of grief. Yeah, as you say, it's a little pop psych, isn't off. it? But it really does, you know, <laughs> it fit. You know, it's like you begin with denial. It's not broken. I can fix this. It's okay. <laughs> it's still good. It's still good. <laughs> it's still good. <laughs> you know, then there's like the, the building anger, you know, why aren't you working? Why isn't this working? God, why do you hate me? Um <laughs> You know, then there's the bargaining. Oh, maybe I can take it to that shop I saw. Maybe they can fix it or I'll buy some other thing. Or, you know, Google might bring it back. You know, we'll start a petition on Twitter. Yes, we will get a following. They will bring it back. You know, and and then slowly you fall into depression. Life is pain. <laughs> this is over. I've been abandoned. Things were good until they aren't. That's very true. Well, I think Murdoch summed it up very well at the beginning when he saw, like, the sad, plaintive <laughs> tale of the Pebble mm-hmm. Watch. You know, until finally you accept the loss and you take out your wallet and you move on. <laughs> <laughs> you, you find... Uh, you credit find cards heal like, all wounds. It's never going to be a 100% replacement to whatever it is you lost, especially with the way tech evolves these, these days. It's never going to be a 100% replacement, but 
it may be good enough. And, and you may, you know, learn to adapt to using it. Well, there's always that thing as well. But sometimes, you know, when you move on to something new, it's like, I don't like this as much because it's not like my old thing. I like my old thing. I don't want this to change. But after a while, mm -hmm. it turns out, you know, actually, this is kind of better, really. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, the lizard part of my brain didn't like the new, the new change. The change, you say? I don't like this. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> one bit, uh, sir. I'm just hit with my, I'm hit with my portable sundial. I don't need no watch. <laughs> Well, and I do think that this kind of summarizes the difference. Like sometimes it is like the Pebble Watch situation where this was tech you loved. It, it filled a niche in your life and nothing since has ever really quite scratched that same itch. Or there's the time that Jeff's PC literally exploded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So talk, talk. What were you playing, Jeff? That would be a okay. good question to ask. I was playing Total War. Um, Which one? It was it was Empire Total War, so it wasn't the most it wasn't the best optimized game in the world. But <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame the game here. And I didn't put and I didn't put any of the components through the washing machine before you start any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. that isn't how they die. Shrink the chips. <laughs> I, I need to do some more reading. <laughs> He's wasted thousands thousands of dollars. <laughs> No, I, I was playing, you know, as you do, playing Total War, doing doing the do, and there was some a weird grinding noise. I'm thinking that's interesting. I'm going to ignore that because you know <laughs> I, I'm just you know I've got I've got worlds to conquer. Denial. And then a louder grinding noise, and then smoke started billowing out the back of the PC. And is it the point? It gets to that point of I should probably do something about this. This this can't be good. And then it actually genuinely exploded, and everything went dark. Oh god! Um, oh god! And <laughs> It, it, that's the a truly immersive experience. <laughs> the, the power supply exploded. Like, it full on caught on fire and exploded. That and is terrifying. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was very depressing. When power oh. supplies go, boy, do they go. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, just before we continue with your anecdote, when power supplies go, it, it can be spectacular. I remember one where a power surge managed to sneak through my surge protection and I didn't realize everything had shut down. But when I turned the PC back on, blue sparks literally shot out of the back of the computer. It was spectacular, but also terrifying at the same time and expensive to to replace because there's no fixing that. No, you can't no. cure death. That's just sort of like <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, you that's exactly how it was. Yeah, you take it out and you pray that the surge protection on the power supply cables into your components did their job. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing about when things set on fire. Um, <laughs> when things get really hot, and especially something like the PSU, it catches on fire, flames move and um, spread, and smoke causes damage, and, you know, it's kind of hard to use a motherboard when it's, you know, sort of bent. Um, so that the, graf that the graphics card was a little bit melty. <laughs> Um, and you just sort of sit there for a while. You've you've unplugged everything, and you sat there, <laughs> cross-legged on the ground, looking at the uh, at, at the corpse of your PC. There's no other way to put it. And it's just it's just like you sort of sat there going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's gone. A part of it. A part of it is also assessing the extent of the damage. Like this could have been much worse. It could have caused you know an actual fire. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, afterwards you think, oh, well, I got really, you know, oof, thank God it didn't spread. But at the time, it's just, wow, God, take me instead. <laughs> <laughs> just holding the little ram chips in your hands. Why? Why? <laughs> but he was so well, young, he had so much left to give. I'm not sure he did. That's why he exploded. No, it wasn't. It was a very old PC at the time. <laughs> oh, God. Which, I, that's what I was driving at here, though, with uh, asking for that anecdote, is that when you sort of, like, you know, scrounge up the finances and get a new PC, old PC is quite quickly forgotten. <laughs> old PC is quite literally forgotten. It's yeah. really a situation of... Okay, well, this one's nice. This, oh wow, the uh, my my total war <laughs> soldiers have legs now. Wow, I didn't even know they did that. Um, you know, yeah. For the longest time, my total war soldiers didn't have feet because my graphics <laughs> card just wasn't good enough. Yeah, and mm. you sort of like, oh, my graphics card did that thing where it started making funky colors and shapes and then stopped working. Well, I did want an excuse to buy a new graphics card. Woo! <laughs> that did also happen to my next graphics card after I replaced my PC. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I swear Jeff emits a, a form of radiation or something like it's either that or you are literally the guy from Index where you, you know, you are an embodiment of misfortune. <laughs> oh, God. Well, nothing seems to have broken since I since I stopped putting things in the washing machine. I was, I was, I was being it's everything I was being going to go through the washing machine, Jeff. I was being I was being haunted by the ghosts of the devices I killed. Oh, oh it's no. like that that scene in Metal Gear Solid Three where you're trudging through the river and all of the ghosts of the characters you killed go by. For you, it's just like iPod Nanos and phones and PCs. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 that's uh, that. That is an interesting thing. Sometimes these devices—that's it. You have to let go. You know, there's there's no salvaging them whatsoever. No. Yeah. And right? it is done. It is dead. There's no reviving this device. It needs a replacement. If you, you if you have you know some functional use for this thing, it needs a replacement. That, that that's it. You go and you bury your old PC. You give it a nice memorial, and then you move on. Uh, mm. I think that's fly tipping. I do believe you're supposed to take your PC to the correct <laughs> recycling. Don't don't take your PC to the desert and bury it, please. We're talking metaphorically here. Yes, take your <laughs> oh, old unused technology so to your nearest we recycling center. We weren't supposed to bury it in the village allotment. No. That explains that. Ex that, that well, that explains. Ooh, oh dear. <laughs> that explains all those strange plants. <laughs> oh. But that, that you you do have you do have situations where sometimes you can salvage scraps, bits and pieces mm, from absolutely. the wreckage. I believe I know where this anecdote is going, and it has an excellent name. Please do tell. Allow me to introduce <laughs> Frankenphone. Frankenphone. <laughs> Um, yes. I have had a situation where I was able to basically um a good way to start was that I somehow managed to, in the process of attempting to catch an old phone, slam it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it was a full-on body slam. It looked very impressive, but not intentional. Very much so. My hand was quicker than my intentions. It's like those moments in the in in the wild, so to speak, in the world when you go and you see somebody do something incredibly stupid, and they kind of freeze 
for a moment. <laughs> you throw the phone down and you like your whole body freezes as if to say, if I don't move, this won't get any worse. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, it was no, pretty no. bad. <laughs> it doesn't get any worse. It was already pretty bad. I had definitely managed to mash the phone to a dysfunctional state. <laughs> However, you know, looking at the state of the phone as it was, it was useless as, you know, something to sell off. There was no value in it. But I had decided to take a look around at home and see one of the, you know, the fun benefits of having siblings. Sometimes you end up with two of the same thing. And, mm. surprise, surprise, it found another of the same kind of phone that was in a different kind of disrepair. <laughs> so I've decided to, you know, since this was essentially dead technology, um, take out my uh, metaphorical scalpel and uh, basically open them both up and try to salvage whatever working parts from both phones I could put together. And it was interesting. I managed to get a fully functioning phone out of two dysfunctional phones. Please tell me you at least had like an assistant, like, you know, wear his coat too far over his shoulders, like like that old movie and like pull a big lever. It lives. It um, lives. Oh, <laughs> man. Did you have an eagle? Igor! Yes, master. <laughs> no, that would have been amazing. Sadly, no Igor. He only existed in my head. <laughs> yes, so you had a functioning phone. I had a functioning phone by the end of it. It was, you know, it was a nerve-wracking exercise, but it was an interesting one because, you know, this wasn't a fully functioning phone that was going to do something I'm not supposed to do to it. The phone was dead. <laughs> it either goes into recycling or I do something with it. Mm. Um, but it's only past the point of which I had processed the fact that, yes, this phone is now in a damaged state. There's no going back to <laughs> repairing it to, like, you know, brand new status. The damage has been done. I had to accept that. And I do think that kind of is the the takeaway from this first half, anyway, that as much as it's been sort of, like, beaten to death over and over, this idea of the five stages of grief they do give us somewhat of a rough guideline as to how we process grief and that we do experience grief for things other than people. Whenever we Slowly. have a loss, we do have to process it. And these stages, we sometimes go through them rapidly, quickly. I remember when I destroyed my very first um, home-built PC, when I was trying to put it together <laughs> and I, just, I put the, the processor in wrong. I, I went from denial to anger surprisingly quickly. Um, you know, but eventually, you know, you will get through it regardless of the degree. It, sometimes it'll take days. Sometimes it takes minutes to go from, why? Okay, I'll go get another one. Um, <laughs> you know, the cost yeah, is usually, usually sort of like the, the, the speed of it is usually experience. inversely proportional to the cost and emotional attachment you had to the device or service. But you do get through it. And I think that is the, if I was going to have any takeaway from that, is that you have to allow yourself to go through these things. Don't try to be like stoic and like, no, I have no feelings. I am above attachment. Like something you used and enjoyed has died. Allow yourself to feel sad for a while before accepting and moving on. Oh, and Absolutely, get the insurance. Yeah. And if, if you get the insurance, <laughs> well, that, that process is a lot easier. Get the insurance, uh, get the insurance beforehand. It's kind of useless after you've broken mm -hmm. the device. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I like insurance on this broken computer. I would like a new computer. I have paid for the insurance. 
So okay, so so far we have we have we've encouraged people in this episode to put their devices in the wash and commit insurance fraud. We're on a roll today, guys. A real roll. <laughs> We're just here to help, you know, and it's stellar advice. <laughs> Remember that business card, professional idiots at your service. <laughs> please don't come to us for advice. <laughs> no, no, please, no, it's just don't don't blame us for taking our advice. There's a caveat there. It's at, it's at your own risk. You know, if you take our advice, you kind of get what you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that too far, harsh, but okay. Too harsh. Too harsh. Easy now, Jeff. Easy now. <laughs> be nice to the nice people. Please be nice to the nice people. I'm sorry for everything. So, there is another kind of loss, isn't there? Oh, there is. There's more? I, oh, yes, this is like November rain. Oh, no. Rain. <laughs> hey, the song's over. No, it's not. Uh, oh, I'm not actually a fan of the term FOMO personally. I'm not a big fan of these kind of terms, but it does kind of fit in with another sometimes more crippling experience we go through. Sometimes when we're deciding whether to buy in to a product or service or deciding how to proceed, you know, in general with something. This idea of what if what if I buy now and then the next thing is better? Or what if I buy now and it doesn't suit what I want? This kind of fear of purchasing the wrong thing or, you know, oh, I'll buy a Samsung phone, but then uh, I did actually want the Sony. It, it can actually be quite a um, paralyzing experience yeah. to go through. Yeah, analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis, the grass is always greener syndrome. That's mm. a big one. Well, yeah, especially when, like, Literally, the next thing is rarely more than six months away. Yeah, yeah. No matter when you purchase, something better is always going to come along relatively shortly. Mm. Yeah, and oh, wait, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm reading it. I'm reading something here in the show. The grass will always be greener in quarter three. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so there's a time frame for these things. <laughs> oh yeah, well, it's a very, very well-known phrase, Murdoch. It's quite old, in fact. Um, oh, you know, okay. so, some scholars have dated the phrase back to the Middle Ages. In fact, that the grass was greener in quarter three. Um, <laughs> it was illegal to hunt on quarter three's grasses for the king's deer. You know, had iPhones and stuff. It's totally true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Join us on Indulgently Minimal History, where we tell you totally true things that totally happened. Sounds legit. No, I mean, uh, you're right. Like, I think it can, we can summarize this quite succinctly as there is never the best time to buy. It's never a good time. You're always going to be, you know making that decision whether to get now or to wait for the next thing. However, mm. the idea of the grass is always greener in quarter three is that we always know that Apple tend to release their new iPhones in September. You know, you can generally, it will happen around September, October every year. So, you know, if you're into a particular brand or you're interested in a particular brand or a couple of brands, knowing their release cycle can be one way to deal with this. So if you're looking mm -hmm. at buying a new phone in, say, December, and you want an Apple phone, you're in a better place than if you're wanting to buy a new phone in August. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, because it's one of those things, if you, if, you, if you want a new phone, but you don't need a new phone, and you can 
stomach to wait a couple months, you're fine. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if your phone dies in August and you need a phone, you know, you're just going to have to go with it, you know. Yeah, well, you have to make a decision. Can I live a month without this, hmm. you know, miracle machine that does my life for me? So now I'm just imagining Murdoch's ego with air with his miracle device. <laughs> <laughs> Is it time? <laughs> <laughs> no, Igor. <laughs> but, and there is a but here, wiggling, gesticulating. Edit that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that stays. That stays as evidence. So what I mean to say is if there is never a good time to buy, that means it's generally always the right time to buy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, if you can get over that fact that, oh, well, you know, in a couple of months, Apple may be releasing a phone with an extra camera and a little more of this and a little more of that. Like, once you sort of really sort of digest what that means in that we haven't had a meaningful update in phones for quite some time, they are getting better. I'm not going to lie and say, like, you'll never get a better smartphone than you're getting now. There's always going to be something new, but it's very rare that, you know, in three months' time, something absolutely revolutionary is going to come out of nowhere. Yeah. We knew that Mm. M1 was coming for nearly a year before it actually hit. And... I actually wanted to buy a laptop during that period. And we had, uh, Murdoch and I had a long discussion about what the right thing to do was. And in the end, I ended up buying an Intel MacBook on the knowledge that in the next six months, this seismic shift in Apple computers was coming. And I'm still happy with that decision. Um, I'm glad I am not. Well, I'm glad I'm not the beta tester for this early generation of the Switch. And I'm happy that I have a computer that suited the the needs I had at the moment and should, in theory, last a reasonably long time, even if Apple will slowly reduce support for it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the idea at the time was that this laptop and, you know, with all the software that's available, with all the architecture that's available, it works today. This, this transition that they have done is, is not insignificant. They have essentially taken phone chips and put them into computers. That is ridiculous when you think about it. And mm. it's impressive with, you know, the kind it of is. performance they got. It, it really is impressive with the kind of performance they got with all the scaling they've done, um, the architecture, the efficiency, all of that fun jazz. But the, the, the real question is, does it run the, the software that you need? Yeah, right. You can't use boot camp. Uh, you there was a long list of x86 software that you know you're either forced to use through Rosetta, which you know takes a performance hit, or just in general you'll have to find an alternative for. Um, it's not a as simple as oh just get the next one. It was a very big shift, and it is still happening now. That transition yeah. is still happening. The, the non-technical version of that conversation is basically the software that worked on the older computers does not always work on the newer computers. Sometimes it works badly, sometimes it doesn't work at all. Yeah. It, it's great when it does, it's, 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 it's absolutely paralyzing when it doesn't. And uh, the frustration is, of course, as well as uh, with computers being a little more old school and Apple still allowing, you know, by their grace, allowing their Macs to By function like actual jobs. computers. Uh, you know, you're actually reliant on the developers. So if you're using a piece of software that isn't, you know, that big or that well 
known outside a small circle. If that developer sees no reason, no financial incentive to make a M1 compliant version, it ain't going to happen. You know, the music industry has been going through this. A lot of the plugins, some of them are just old. You know, people have been using a particular plugin to make, you know, music with, and it just worked. It never needed to be updated. It, you know, they, they hit a standard, it works. Now, some some entire software suites just don't work on M1, and there's no indication of if they ever will. That's a big mm-hmm. issue for some people. Mm. And so that is to say that understanding the lay of the land, so to speak, doing your research, especially if you're wanting to buy something as expensive as a MacBook. Like you could buy a cheap laptop or you can buy a, you know, two grand laptop. If you're opting for the two grand laptop, you can spend a little while researching it and understanding the wider ramifications because it's an investment. Mm, But if you do that research, then you can generally come to an understanding and make the right decision for yourself. And you can do so without that fear that you're going to lose some future opportunity. You have to get Mm -hmm. over that and just make a decision because ultimately you never know. You're never going to know. And by the time the M1 laptops come out, like, oh, we've got the first M1 Air and we've got like the M1 uh, MacBook Pros. Well, a year later, we had the 14-inch bigger screen, new design, MagSafe. You know, they're always going to be improving on these things. So there's never going to be like the that moment if you ordered on September 14th. You know, 2021, that was the best time in all of human history to order. You know, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So there, there is really no perfect, there's no perfect time. Just, I guess, when you need it, you just got to get it. Pretty that's, much. That's, that's pretty much it. You see what you need at the time. Will it serve you now? It's a, this, this statement is going to be a reoccurring theme. It's basically you don't purchase technology based on, you know, the promise of what it can do tomorrow. You buy technology for what it can do for you today. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And if I may add on to that, another recurring theme for us is that you shouldn't necessarily buy technology because it's exciting and because it's shiny. Rather, you ask yourself, what are my needs and how does this purchase fit into those needs? Yeah. So as to say, rather than oh, the new M1s are shiny and new and exciting. Look at how exciting all the advertising is. Ask yourself, do you need it? Does your computer have something missing to it? Is it going to break? Is it not fulfilling some need you have? Or do you just kind of want it because it's shiny? I mean, it's pretty shiny and it's the good kind of shiny, not that kind of shiny my devices end up with, you know, with that watery (laughs) sheen. (laughs) Oh, Jeff. I was thinking more like oh. the shiny when the when the electricity explodes out of them. That's shiny too. <laughs> mm. and the funny thing is that things that matter might not be the shiny bits and pieces of it. The, the things that ultimately matter in the long run. It's like, ooh, look at this shiny new look at this shiny new phone. Look at all the amazing things it can do. You can scan your room in 3D. Wow, <laughs> that that's an amazing feature I need to have. Is it? <laughs> six months late, you know, six months down the line, you discover that your primary problem is that you've run out of storage space. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that chest. All those 3D room scans. <laughs> 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 it's 
so like, but how it, can I live without my daily room scan? <laughs> without my daily room scans, you got to make sure nothing situations. You got to make sure nothing is situations where the, the the important features are you know they're overshadowed by the new and shiny. It's like storage is important. It's it, it's very understated, but storage is very important. Maybe even more important than that shiny new 3D scanner. You might not even use it. <laughs> And of course, especially if you live outside of the unlimited data bubble that some people live in, you know, data can be rather expensive if you live in certain countries like the one I live in. Mm -hmm. So cloud storage isn't always the easy solution either. You know, if you're out and about and you want to download that four gigabyte file that you need and all you've got is data, that could cost you a significant amount of money. Mm. Whereas having, you know, the right amount of storage on your device to just have it is, you know, that has value in of itself. And of course, the way they design almost all portable devices now, the storage is not upgradable. No, no. And I don't know if that, I don't, I don't know if that's a trade-off to me. Is that a trade-off to make the phones smaller? Maybe that's, that's a separate conversation. I'm, but, it is. But it I does make it them is, yeah. smaller and thinner, like by soldering the the memory chips onto the board itself rather than having them as a separate it Poor. does allow for a, a, a smaller, more unified. It also, I believe, allows for sometimes faster memory reads because you've actually got it mm. on the chip rather than mm. it having to go through a controller. But Apple does not need to make them anywhere near as expensive as they do the storage upgrades. So, mm. But unfortunately, when you go through that process, you have to decide what is right for me. And that is a real fear of missing out because there ain't any way of fixing it once you make that yeah. decision. Yeah. And I think Apple knows that. That's why their pricing ladders are structured very closely around storage mm -hmm. to the point where even like I believe on their iPad Pros, the models with extra RAM, you can't opt into just for the extra RAM. They come with the larger storage space as default. Mm. So, you know, Apple understands this and they price around it. And it's how they get you to move up that ladder by, oh, well, you know, 128 gig is very small for a, a laptop. But if you want the 500 gig model, well, it's only $50 cheaper than this other one, which and also that's how they gets get you. Because it's you're, a pricing you're ladder. It's very so well understood. Money. Yeah. Each feature takes you one step up the ladder. But by having those features available, at an even higher point on the ladder with another extra feature, people start to do that calculation like I did with the Pro, where I do want a reasonable amount of storage. For, uh, 64 gig and 120, uh, no, 64 gig isn't enough. <sighs> Instead, you move up to, when you start to look at like upgrading the iPad Air's internal memory, you then get into this comparison of, well, if I get the larger memory on the larger storage space on the iPad Air, I'm in a very mm. close price point to the iPad Pro, and the iPad Pro yeah. has the 120 hertz screen. So you know, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the number of times we've had that conversation. Okay, the number of times. <laughs> they know what they're doing. <laughs> they, they definitely do. They definitely do. And like, it's, it's a difficult decision to make, especially when it's, you know, it's a very large ask in, ter in terms of, you know, the amount you are spending. That's it. And the more you're spending, the worse the paralyzing feelings get. I mean, because not to mention, I guess if we're really going to be putting this out there, you kind of also mourn the loss of the money. Yeah. You know, like 
when you go to spend a large amount of money, there is like a, a grief process there as well. I mean, not to get too, you know, dragonish about it, but th- <laughs> that feeling is real. No, 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 it is. It is. It's like, hmm, yes, I have this fancy new shiny object, but that cost me, you know, a little nice island getaway, not a Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> what are you buying, Murdoch? <laughs> well, hush now, we don't talk about such things. <laughs> Look, this is the guy with two AirPods. I'm sure there is. I'm Please, sure there is his own. The, the, as, as, as aforementioned, there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for that situation. Let's not bring that up again. <laughs> I, I'm now imagining, I, I haven't seen your new apartment yet, but there's got to be a room back there which is just like piles of like technology that you then go to to sleep on like a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Yes. (laughs) Apple Store employees trying to break in and steal loot. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) That's that's an interesting one. It's basically, yeah, it's like you you have a lot of this technology and sometimes one day, you know, it'll have to go to die. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's, I think that's the thing is I think for a lot of people, our our first instinct is to feel a little silly about like, oh, why am I so worked up about losing my iPod? You know, for those of us that remember what those are, you know, it's just a thing. It's replaceable. You know, my music's backed up or like even now today, like, you know, everything is backed up on the cloud for most people. My music is mm. on Apple Music or Spotify. You know, my photos are on, you know, Google Drive, App, Apple iCloud, something. You know, today the loss of a device is far easier than it's ever been. Yet we can be quite hard on ourselves when we lose them. It's like, oh, don't be silly. Just get the new one. No, you've had an emotional attachment to that device and that's okay. It's okay to actually grieve it. They put a cute case on it. You gave it googly eyes. You called it Sebastian. (laughs) You know, we've all been there. (laughs) I I called him Timmy, yes. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, that's that's basically it. The personalization. What, what what's that fancy term? Anthropo anthrop. I can Somebody never pronounce that English. word. Anthropomorphization. Thank you. Thank you. I am learning it's Greek. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it it's not just oh, it's just another iPod. No, no, that was my iPod. You know, yeah, that, yeah, that was the mine. iPod you listened to, you know, that's the iPod that you listened to, you know, that song a hundred times in a row. This mm-hmm. is my iPod. There are many like it, but this one is mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the iPod that, you know, helped you get to sleep those nights when you, you know, your mind wouldn't go to rest. So you put on something in headphones and it helped you fall asleep. That's the iPod that, you know, did, did the thing. I think you did the thing. You know, I think if I'm good, if you allow me one of my little tangential rambles for just a moment, I'll be brief. You uh, may proceed with you, caution. Murdoch. With caution. Uh, Jeff, keep you know, an eye I on I think him. there is a, there's a little <laughs> something to this idea the Japanese have about objects having souls. They, you know, you know, there's like that Japanese folklore about how if an object lives for a hundred years, it gains a soul. And that's why you have all the pictures of like the broomsticks with eyes and, you know, all the, all those other weird yokai things. Not weird. Hmm. That's a not nice way to say it. Those, you know, interesting looking yokai. 
I think they're onto something in that we do project a lot of our emotions onto the objects we use on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And when they break or when we lose them, it's the same as if we lost anything else important in our lives. And I think allowing yourself that space to process that those emotions is healthy. Could you just imagine the absolute carnage if our phones started becoming sentient with all that browsing history? I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Dave. (laughs) Oh, dear. This is a terrifying future. That that, that is pretty much it, though. Like, what's it called? These these objects, you know, or these tools, yes, they do bring us some joy, right? We enjoy using them. And it's it's okay when it gets to a point. Some of them bring us a lot of joy. Yes. and, And it's okay when it gets to a point, you know. For various reasons, regardless whether we have lost it, whether they've gotten damaged, whether they've been orphaned, as we mentioned them, right? They, they, it's okay to experience that loss. They no longer bring you joy for any of the aforementioned reasons. It's okay to take some time and process that. And, and it's okay to make, you know, steps towards, like, letting go. Mm. Yeah. Right? Whether that's retiring it to a drawer, upcycling it. You know, many a phone, and uh, an old phone, an old tablet have found their ways for the, those inclined to do so. They've made them into like smart mirrors or, you know, home entertainment remotes or they get mm-hmm. handed down to, you know, yeah. the, the kids. You know, how many of us, you know, grew up on our parents' old phones? Or I know plenty of people who, you know, they, they very much enjoy the constant tech cycle. So they, they'll sell their phone after a year or so, make a decent mm-hmm. return and just get another one. That's okay too. It's, I think the main thing is to, again, research your needs, understand what you need in your life and then commit to that decision. Yeah. Once yeah, that decision's com- made, about it. it's made. You know, if you buy the iPhone 13 and then the next day they announce the iPhone 14, it's okay. It's not going to be the amazing device that fixes everything in your life. And you know what? If it is, you can just sell the 13, save up a bit and get the 14. Like, none of these are insurmountable problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts, guys? Just when they finally make a 100% washing-proof machine device, I'm (laughs) going to be very, very happy. Well, 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 I can we'll no longer live in fear. We, we will have a very short moment of silence for all those, you know, lost tech devices in the washing machine. <laughs> well, let's not do it's a like minute silence. We'll be here for hours. Uh, you make a good like, point it's like there. the Oscars, the, those we lost in the in, in the previous year. <laughs> those we lost in the suds. <laughs> in the previous in the suds. I like that one. Uh, a <laughs> moment of the silence then. <laughs> but we move on. I can hear the whirring, exactly. the ghost whirring. We move on and we hope that you've enjoyed this. And even though we went to a little more melancholy place this week, that we were able to talk about something important. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Indulgently Mini. You can also, if you've got any any thoughts, comments, ideas, write to us at indulgentlyminimal at gmail.com. I've been Moggy, joined by Jeff and Murdoch. And just be well. And go easy on yourself. Remember, folks, indulge a little bit. Thank you, guys. See you for the next one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one.